a fellow server of mine was like, oh, I'm trading. Oh, I make like $10,000 a month trading. I was like, okay, cool. And then he mentioned one word, said Bitcoin. Have you heard of Bitcoin? And he showed it to me and it was $400. So I was like, okay, let me get a Robinhood account before Robinhood was popular. I bought like a ton of stock trading books. I read them on my on my way to work. So it was a really long commute. And I would just consume that content. As I, I would make my money in the tips, right? I would get that cash that same day. I would go to Wells Fargo, I'd deposit it. And it was deposited into two things. One, it was Bitcoin. All right, what's going on, T-Phrase Daily? We got another episode. We got a very special guest today. If you haven't heard the name, you probably will very soon. Luke Belmar. I'm not going to do too much intros. I want to get right into it. Luke. What, what's up, brother? Good to see you. Good to see you. It was a good time with you in Miami this last week. Uh, we had a good time. You showed me some some game, some skill in your city. So I appreciate you uh, having me around, brother. Of course, man. I'm happy to have you. Anytime you come, make sure uh, you ring me. I want to come right into it, bro. Capital Club has been something that is just flowing all over the place. People I know, people I don't know, all I've been hearing about is Capital Club. What is this about, bro? Talk to me. All right. Well, Capital Club was uh, the inception of Capital Club goes back to about 2020 uh, prior to the whole DeFi boom. I was in my bed. Uh, so I was like, I need a ton of stuff uh, for my entrepreneurial journey. I have a background in e-commerce. I was like, I need a dev. I need to figure out somebody to code my bot. I was like, I have no place that I can go to as an entrepreneur where I can get like everything that I need. So I was like, fuck it. In my bed, I launched Capital Club. And the vision was very simple because it's something that I wanted and something that I needed. And Capital Club is becoming the largest decentralized entrepreneurial network on planet Earth focused on creating, multiplying, and preserving wealth. Over the last two years, uh, the club has really grown. We represent about 70 countries. And it's only going to be uh, taking over the entire planet as we go, because as entrepreneurs, we really see that there's needs, right? There's needs, uh, whether it's in education, whether it's in community, whether it's in services, you know, so many people over the last years have gotten scammed, you know, you, you know, it firsthand as well, right? Like you're in the crypto space. Somebody tells you that they do this, they don't do it. Then you can't get your money back because it's, it's in crypto. It's irreversible, right? It's peer to peer. So you get screwed. So I was like, what if we create an, an ecosystem where people can develop their entrepreneurial abilities and really become winners? Uh, and it all came from something that was necessary for me. And uh, I think that that's the most uh, valuable part and the most valuable lesson I would say uh, people need to take away is build something uh, that is for you, something that uh, you know has potential because it's something that drives you and is passionate about uh, that you're passionate about. And what I realized is a lot of people resonate with the same message. So uh, here in the next month or so, we're launching, we're reopening. Capital Club was closed for about two years. We opened it for two days. We signed thousands of people. And then I closed it down because uh, I went on to, to focus full time on crypto, NFTs, things of this nature. And I didn't really have time to focus on nurturing and building the community. So people have been on standby. People have been uh, on the sidelines ever since. And uh, I guess we're going to be changing this uh, shortly. So, yeah, that's a little bit of uh, of what you've been hearing. I think most of the echo has been coming from, you know, what, what the network has been offering, what the connections, the plays, the resources, the insider information that it provides. You know, we, we talked about Luna. We shorted Luna when it was $102. I made that call publicly uh, on Instagram, which was a Capital Club call. Uh, and I made $2.9 million on that short, right? That short was about a week long. Uh, and I was able, because I had the right information, the right access to make and 
seven days what it would take a family to make an entire lifetime. And all that has to, not because I'm special, but because Capital Club is special. And that was kind of like the the catalyst for for a lot of uh, a lot of the things that we're hearing nowadays. It's funny you say that because you know the echo. I'm gonna tell you a funny short story. So I moved into this new building that I'm living in here in Miami about like seven and a half, eight months ago. And when I first moved in, I ran into my neighbors, my next door neighbors, which I talk about a lot on the podcast. Somehow, they both do e-commerce, so they came from the Nets Discord. And one of them is actually in Capital Club or what was previously Capital Club. And he used to tell me like, hey, there's this guy named Luke Belmar and he gives like he's put this short out and I've made X amount of money on it. And you have to know. And that was my first reaction, obviously, or my first time hearing about you, Luke. And from there, the name's kind of stuck in my head. And somehow, anytime I go around, like obviously... We have a similar network in a sense between entrepreneurship, crypto, and the people we associate with. Your name kept coming up, and then now here we are, which is, yeah, I mean, we've heard great things, so I'm really excited to dive deeper into this now. Yeah, me too. I want to back up a little bit. So, Luke, I think you're a very interesting guy. You have opinions. You have a certain worldview that captivates people. It inspires people. And I think when we have worldviews like that, that are so strong, they have to come from somewhere, right? So I Mm. want to back up. I want to know a little bit more about you. How did you become so successful in e-commerce, in crypto, in NFTs? Where did it start? I want to know a little bit about your origin story and how you've gotten to be so successful. The the origin story of the hero. Uh, (laughs) The origin story is very simple, guys. I come from Argentina, small town, about 19,000 people at the age of 17. Uh, I dropped out of high school. Uh, you know, I failed every year. Every year I would go to summer school. I would say, fuck it. My, my parents didn't, you know, I went to English school, Spanish school. My parents were like, you know, Luke, like you're not obeying. You're not following the rules. I said, fuck it. I don't want any of this stuff. I want to be rich. I want to do my own thing. I don't want people to bother me. At the age of 17, I had an argument with my parents. I li- remember, I live in a small farm town of 17,000 people. English is not my first language. I'm just a genius. So I know how to speak different languages extremely well. I'm in the process of learning Italian. So we'll see in, in, a, in a few months how that how that pans out. But uh, my worldview comes from a place of me not having anything and knowing the potential to have everything. And most people lack the self-belief in understanding that they are truly in control of their life. And I preach this very often that the life that you have is the life that you choose. I could have easily chosen to sell water bottles or those big like water jugs that they have in third world countries because they don't have like clean water that you can you know go buy. So you have to buy the big things that they send to your house. Who's what one of my best friends is doing right now. He has four kids. He's a loser. <clears throat> and that was the decisions that he chose to make. So I was like, how do how do I make the right decisions? And the playbook is very easy because the playbook dictates that there are rules to success. These rules are non-avoidable, they're universal, and they are applied across the board. And the first thing, the first rule is have a goal, right? Without a goal, you don't know, don't know where you're going, you don't know where you're headed, there's a high likelihood that you're going to fail. Whether you have a convoy, whether it's a ship going to the ocean, whether you know your destination, where you wanna go, it's easier than if you don't. And the truth is most people walk around in life like accidents. They don't know why they do what they do. If I was to go to any, your local town, if I was to go to your local town, Mo, back home, and I was to ask people, what is your goal? 99 out of 100 people don't have one. And my goal was, I need to get out of here. That was my first goal. So what I did 
was I contacted my uncle. My uncle was a pilot. So at the age of 17, my, with $200 in a suitcase, I asked my uncle to uh, get me a flight to the to New York. <clears throat> of course, you can. That's all, you know, New York, Florida. Those are like the popular places you just go. And I sat in the flight attendant seat, right? So where the flight attendants sit, that's where I sat. And like the people in first class looked at me like, who the fuck is this kid? Like, what is he doing? Like, this is weird, right? So I sat there all embarrassed and I land in New York and I started working regular jobs. I worked in the kitchen. I was washing toilets. I did door to door sales. I slept in my, in my car. My grandmother blessed me. She gave me a little $4,000 Buick that my dream car, I'll probably buy one and just pimp around in Miami and that thing. We got to bring back like the, we got to bring back like our broke cars. You know what I mean, Mo? We have to bring back yeah. the cars when we were broke. <laughs> like we got to bring back those cars, bro. And just flex on, on the brokies with those cars, with the cars that were the come up cars. So I would sleep in my car, door to door sales, would work two, three jobs. Then my car broke down. I had a car accident. I was drifting. It was so dumb. Uh, I had a car accident. So I had to take public tra transport. And that was the worst time in my life. I was about 19, 20 at that time. And I was working three jobs. The first job, I was working waiting tables at a restaurant, a Spanish restaurant. I got in because, of course, I speak Spanish. The second one, I was working as an intern at the Washington Post. That was gay. It was a terrible job. Excuse me. I know it's politically correct, guys. I apologize. It's okay. Uh, and then the third job was I was just trying to figure out how to make money. And then this was a year, I think, 2016 or something like that. And a fellow server of mine was like, oh, I'm trading. Oh, I make like $10,000 a month trading, all this stuff, right? This was pre-bull market, pre-anything. I'm giving you the short story. And uh, I was like, okay, cool. And then he mentioned one word. He said, Bitcoin. Have you heard of Bitcoin? And I'm like, no, what is it? And I remember being at like where the servers kind of stand and you kind of have like your server area and they kind of all congregate and you have your point of sales and all that shit. And he showed it to me and it was $400. Like, damn, that's expensive. And Tesla at the time was like 250 or 200, something like that. So I was like, okay, let me get a Robinhood account before Robinhood was popular. I bought like a ton of stock trading books. I read them on my, on my way to work. I, I was in the Metro for about, no, I was in the bus for about an hour and a half. Then I took the Metro 30 minutes. I was living in Washington DC at that time. So it was a really long commute from really far back in Arlington. And I would just consume that content as I, I would make my money in the tips, right? I would get that cash that same day. I would go to Wells Fargo, I'd deposit it and I would buy, buy stuff. So that same day, the money that I made, I would deposit. And it was deposited into two things. One, it was Bitcoin. And then the same, second thing was deposited was my ad spend for my e-commerce because I was learning e-commerce. So the tip that I would make that day didn't go to anything except those two things. It was investing, right? I was buying Bitcoin. I didn't know what the fuck it was. I was just like, okay, like I'm just going to buy it, whatever. Like, let me figure it out. And then the ad spend that we had, it was me and my brother, the ad spend that we had uh, for the next day was the tips that we would make the day before. So we would run like our little e-commerce products, all that stuff. That was our come up. And then in 2017 was the first bull run. And then that first bull run, I learned something. Never listen to the majority of people because they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And I was the one that listened to the majority and I 30x my like my portfolio at that time. I think it was worth like like 300,000. I remember I'm like broke, right? I'm broke. And it goes up to 300,000. I pull out a loan. I remember I go to Wells Fargo. I'm excited. This is at the top of the bull run, right? When when XRP was three dollars and fifty cents. Mm -hmm. And I get a loan for fifteen thousand dollars. I put it in. A week later, boom, everything tanks. I lose everything. I'm left with a thousand bucks. I'm like, fuck, okay. Uh, okay, what do I do now? That's my portfolio. I'm making e-commerce money. I'm doing these things where I was like, bro, what did I learn? And what I realized is most people focus on the mistake instead of focusing on the lesson.
And I figured out, okay, what are the lessons that I learned? What are the things that I need to take so that the next time this happens, because it's inevitable that it was going to happen again. And the reason I knew it was inevitable because it was the power of social media that was going to push this to the new generation. And I was right. So the, for the next two years, uh, I did multiple eight figures in e-commerce. Shout out to Steven Evan Tan. They really inspired me. Uh, we're now business partners in Capital Club. Now the sensei and the mentor have kind of united uh, for the global takeover. And in 2020, I put my entire net worth into crypto. Every single dollar that I had, I put into crypto in 2020. This was pre-bull run. My, everybody was like, no, dude, this is a terrible idea. This was when the, the entire thing was collapsing. I remember I was smoking a joint. I don't no longer smoke. Shout out to Mo. Mo's a straight arrow dude. He's I, I like him for that. I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate the hustle and I appreciate the, the steady, clear mindedness. And it's a challenge for myself, by the way, for everybody looking is that the, the serious killers in life uh, are the small killers in life. The things in life are the things that pull small advantages away, right? The, the small advantages that you have with your competitors, whether it's weed, whether it's bad food, all these things, right? Mm -hmm. So shout out to Mo for that. But back to my point, 2020, I put my entire net worth into crypto. People tell me I'm crazy. I'm playing Call of Duty and uh, Cardano, for example, hits, hits a penny, right? The entire thing tanks. I put 10 grand into Cardano. I put another $10,000 daily into Ethereum when Ethereum's $80, $90. You can go to my highlights at Luke Belmar on Instagram. It's all recorded. And then I'm like, okay. Remember, in 2017, I was buying BNB at $2, right? This was Binance. I was like, Binance is amazing. I had talked to CZ on Clubhouse a little bit before, before I got banned on that platform, obviously. Uh, I got banned twice. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I, I was like, okay, I need to bet on winners. I need to bet, not on products, but I need to bet on winning people. So uh, by the way, I have the pancake swap tattoo tattered right here on my neck because I put my entire net worth into a token called pancake swap. I was the number 10 holder of pancake swap in the world at a sub $30 million market cap. And it ended up going to $2.5 billion. Shout out Safe Moon and the whole DeFi degenerate community. You guys made me wealthy. So I appreciate that. And then the second biggest play that I had was the competitor of PancakeSwap known as Bake. And I remember calling Luca Nets. I remember calling Steve Tan when it was sitting at an $8 million market cap. And in fact, I was with Luca. We rented an Airbnb for a week because we were working on an e-com project. It was $8 million. I said, Luca, you need to put 50, 60 grand, 100 grand into this shit. Like this shit's going to go. It's like, no, 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 whatever. Long story short, I put $50,000 into uh, Bake at uh, $8 million market cap and it goes to 1.6 billion. So I literally, I literally got into a unicorn level VC investment play because I understood the trend of the future. I was aware and I didn't focus on my past mistakes, but I focused on the lessons that those mistakes taught me. And during the bear market, during the season where people were complaining, they were trying to figure out how to gamble, how to make money. I knew I had my goal. I had my, I had my eye on the mission. I, I knew where I was going and I was consistent. I was steady. I wasn't perfect, but I was consistent. I was steady in, because I knew my destination. And the big takeaway for me, and this is kind of how I'm going to polish and continue refining, whether it's Capital Club or other endeavors in life or even personal development, you know, whether it's your physique, whether it's your health, you need to know where you want to go. You have to know where you want to go. And if you don't know where you're going to go, just stop, dude. Just like fucking stop for a second. It's better to stop, evaluate where you're going, than move. You know, the American culture is all about action, 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 action. But most people aren't putting out actions. They're not proactive. They are reactive. 
right? They react to the situations that come to them instead of creating the circumstances in life that they want to see happen. So that's a little brief come up story. And from there, kind of uh, the whole thing kind of emerged. So, yeah. I got, a, I got a question here that came. So I can relate to a lot of the stuff you said for the simple reason that I also immigrated from a third world country, right? And we all did. Yeah, we all did here. So at least for me as a, as a, as a guy, right? I think I can relate more because you understand, you know, the struggle, the sacrifice and the journey to get to where you are as a man. This is a question that I think a lot of people ask, and I'm going to ask you the question, which is, do you think in order to be successful, right? In order to learn some of the lessons that you now have, you have to go through in certain struggles in life in order to get to this point, or can you get to it without suffering? Well, let's define success. Uh, I think I think in these topics, and it, you know, it's really important for us to to define what we mean by success. So I'll give you my definition for success. My definition for success is a wealthy life, and by wealth, I mean a, a life that is full of abundance. Right? You can have a lot of money, but it doesn't mean you have a life full of abundance if nobody likes you. You can have a ton of family and people that like you, but if you have no money, you lack abundance. Right? You can have the money, the family, but no health, you lack abundance. You can have family but no spirituality you lack abundance. So for me, the definition of success is the, is wealth, true wealth. And what I say is the wealthiest man is the one that wakes up with the least pressure on his chest. The one, the one man that when he wakes up, life is good. That doesn't mean having a ton of money. That doesn't mean, it just means life is good. How many people, bro, how many people Mo, do we know that are rich as fuck, that have to take antidepressants, that can't sleep at night, that, that, that can't live with themselves? Yep. Broken marriages, children fucking hate them. Dude, that's not the definition of success. Success is a life full of abundance. And that's what Capital Club is about. That's what we preach, right? It's a capital, it's a focus on creating, multiplying, and preserving wealth. You know, and it's it's three different quadrants. And whether wherever you are in life, you're in one of the three places. You're either creating wealth, situations of wealth, you're multiplying that wealth, or you're preserving it. And in crypto, we saw it, right? It was the the multiplication was really fast, but then a lot of people didn't know how to preserve, right? Yep. So because the mindset needs to be different, your mind needs to change, whether you're making, whether you're multiplying or whether you're preserving, you need to be taught different ways of thinking. And based on that definition, I think, yes, I think uh, it's easier to accomplish uh, success or achieve a status of success, uh, but success is every day. Success must be earned on the daily basis. You don't just become successful and stay successful, right? So success to me is a lifestyle. So yes, I think people have to go through lessons, but uh, I don't think it's limited to, you know, uh, my story that, that that just applies to myself. And that's my definition of success. And for somebody else, it could be something else, right? Like uh, there's people out there like, I don't fucking care about people. So, okay, rule out the idea of being loved. Some people don't care to be loved. So maybe that's not for you. But for me, you know, you have to encounter encounter certain things in life that are going to give you perspective and perspective is giving you a worldview that allows you to perceive the world in a way that lets you look at something and be like, okay, that's success. And a, a, the reason I say this is if you're born with a billion dollars in the bank account and 
you have all the palaces in the world, you get all the girls, all these, these things mean nothing to you. They hold no value. They mean nothing. Why? Because they were given to you. But as a man, right? Conquest, the idea of, of, of conquering something and the idea of conquering something exterior isn't the exterior conquest that matters. It's the internal conquest that must take place in order for the exterior uh, conquest to be valuable. And it's not how other people perceive you. That's the conquest It's how you perceive yourself. When you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, good job, you made it. And that's kind of like my perception. So if you come from the slums, uh, the come up story is beautiful. The come up story is, is what keeps you going. And then making sure that you don't go back to the slum, make sure, making sure you don't go back to the hood. Like that's the worst thing that could ever happen to you is when you taste it and then you let go of the pedal, like you let go of the gas. That's the worst thing that could ever happen to bro. You do not want to be that guy. And, you know, we see it all the time. We see it with athletes. We see it with rappers. You know, Kodak Black just got arrested again for, like, sex trafficking. and who knows what. I'm like, dude, yeah. you had it. You had it there, but you had no goal, yeah. right? You were swayed left and right. You were swayed by, by your peers, your emotions, your inability to, to see the opportunity that you had at hand. And he turned what could have been success into ultimate failure. So... Yeah, those are those are my thoughts regarding that, brother. Yeah, I think you bring up something important, and that's perception. And you're pointing to your mind when you're talking about that. It's all it starts with your mentality, right? Your lifestyle comes after your mentality. Wealth comes after you fix your mental. So for our viewers, for people who don't come from money and they want to change their mindset, they want to be of an abundance mindset. I'm wondering, are there any books, are there any people that have inspired you and changed your mindset, shifted your worldview that you could share with other people that they could start learning as well? Yes. And I'm going to break it down into one sentence because I can give, I can give you books, I can give you all these things, but people don't read that shit. So I'm going to give you one single principle, and it's a universal law. It's the Newton's third law. And it's the law that states that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, right? That for everything that you put out, there's going to be an equal return of that which you put out. So if you want to go to the gym and you have a goal of the body that you want, you're going to receive in return to the effort that you put in. Mm -hmm. So what does this tell us? That if you want something in life, you must be willing to sacrifice an equal proportion to that which you want. And if you live by that principle, that's all you need. You don't need anything else because you know that if you sow something, you will reap in the same level of that which you sowed. If you sow, if you reap a ton of fast food, a ton of fast gratification, porn, uh, drinking all the time, you're going to reap in, in direct proportion to that which you sowed. And that is a universal law, a transcendental law that if you apply it in your life, now you start looking at things and you're like, whoa, I'm in control. Like I'm truly in control of everything in my life. And the reason that most people don't want to be in control is because it requires you to take responsibility and it requires you to be uh, at fault if you mess up. If you lose, it's because you're a loser. If you win, it's because you're a winner, but it's up to you. And that law alone has changed my life. I'm going to repeat it again. For every action, there's an equal and opposite, equal and opposite reaction, right? And if you understand this, you're like, okay, now I'm going to study. Why? Because life will pay me directly in correlation to that which I have given it. Just like a field, right? Whatever you sow, the mind doesn't care what you feed it. 
but whatever you feed it, it will return direct proportion to that which you fed. If you feed it porn, all this hood music, Netflix, Kardashians, all this shit, you're going to receive in direct proportion to that which you, but if you plant books of positivity, good networks, uh, music that inspires you, uh, learning, growth, positivity, speaking well about yourself, eating healthy food, studying the charts on a regular basis, not being a naysayer, life will reward you in direct correlation to that. So instead of talking about books, carry that principle with you. Uh, it's very powerful. I love that. And just to add to that, I feel like a lot of people overcomplicate success or learning a skill set and being elite, right? It's all about being the best at whatever you do. And one, they overcomplicate it because they think they need a secret book or a secret mentor or some secret recipe. Like I remember when I first got into uh, e-comp, for example, right? I thought there was a secret button on the Facebook ads manager that you click and you start printing money, right? And I went and I paid mentors and I asked people and I read books and I watched YouTube videos and I came to find out it's not that. It's just about what? Finding a specific strategy that works for what you're marketing. So again, that goes back to us as human, just find what works for you. And there's obviously people who have done it. So all you have to do is model after what's working, but align it to work best for you. And it's I not agree. I agree. And this idea of mentors, right? And I want to make something extremely clear with mentors because a lot of people and mentors are phenomenal. I have mentors in every area of my life. When I was making a hundred grand, I had a mentor that made a million, right? When I was making a million, I had a mentor that made 10 and so on and so forth to the point where why? Because mentors are, are glitches in the matrix. They, they help you avoid pitfalls and things that you haven't seen. But here's the key to a mentor, right? This is something that I developed and I learned based off of spending probably like $3 million on mentorships and $3 million on sitting and like paying people to tell me things about life. Like the last guy that I paid, I think about $25,000 for one call. He's a guy that sold a company to, to Blackwell, not BlackRock, Blackwell for $13 billion cash. It's a security company. And I sat down and I asked them like a ton of questions for an hour, but that was his fee. Why? Because why am I, why am I not going to do it? Right? Like I'm going to do it because it makes sense because I'm trying to achieve certain things. A few things about mentors. You do not want a mentor that's so far ahead of you that the questions that you're going to ask or the problems that you're facing uh, aren't easy for, aren't easy for you to translate. Like what a billionaire is going to tell a person making $50,000 a year or the questions you're going to ask when you're making $50,000 a year may not be relevant. The second thing is replicatability, right? Is what this person is telling you replicatable? A lot of times what a person tells you is their personal experience and isn't going to necessarily be replicatable. And the second thing is have they been consistent? Not just a one-time hit, but have they been consistent in their approach to life and their approach to business? If they have consistency, replicability, and then finally, the ability that their information actually seeps in and is directly um, uh, readily applicable to your life, that is the key to a good mentor. Yep. And I tell everybody around me, Paris has heard this before, the person who does the same thing for the longest time always wins. 100%. It's not about doing a little bit. It's not about changing things and following the trend. It's about doing the same thing for the longest time and you will eventually win. I mean, look at Mr. Beast, bro. Look at Mr. Beast. He's not special. Yeah, he's not. He's not special. You can tell it's a kid from North Carolina, brother. It's a kid from North, but he, he became special. He became special because he consistently did what he wanted to do and was good at. And he was focused. What? On the goal. He had the goal. He knew what he wanted. 
So if you figure out the goal, you find people that can help you get there, it's replicable, it's a replicable methodology, then you'll be better off than most people in life, for sure. Definitely. So I want to go back to what you said a little bit earlier. Um, you noticed patterns, you learned a lesson the first time the market crashed, and then you noticed patterns, you learned a lesson, you took advantage of that. And that's what's informed you to build up your success as your experiences. So in the market right now, in this climate right now, what have your lessons informed you in terms of strategy and dealing with these all-time lows and dealing with inflation, the macro of what we're dealing with right now? What is informing you in your strategy? That the world operates in cycles. That what's happened before the collapse of, of the U.S. economy, the collapse of, of a global power has happened before. It will continue to happen. And there's a, there's a good book that I recommend reading regarding this topic. It's called The Fourth Turning. And just like the, 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 the seasons, you know, there's four seasons, there's, there's the death, there is the growth, there is the rejuvenation, there's the flourishing. Just like there is that in nature, it's the same thing with people. It's the same thing with the cycles of the world. And right now, we're going through the fourth turning. And this is, a, a, this is going to be a period of pain. It's going to last about five to six years. People have to brace for this. Most people are not aware. It's called the fourth turning. It all starts in a period of, of despair, then it goes into a period of wealth, then it goes into a period of comfort, then it goes into a period of discomfort, and then the cycle repeats itself. Right now, we're at the end of the cycle. The cycle lasts anywhere from 80 to 100 years. This, is, this has been going on for the last yeah, 500, Robert, 600 years. Well. Yeah, this has been going on consistently, always and forever. So what you yep. need to understand is identify where you are in the cycle and what other people have done at the exact time of this cycle and previous cycles. And I'll tell you what happened in the last cycle. And it happens in micro levels and it happens at macro levels. So let's talk about micro levels. At a micro level, let's talk about Russia, okay? So we have uh, the Soviet Union collapses. You have a few guys uh, that take over everything. They take over everything, right? It's, it's public, it's publicly owned companies or all these things, private nationalized companies, and they privatize it. These guys get extremely wealthy because they capitalize on the opportunity. There is no bigger opportunity right now if you're making money then what's going to happen, right? The global economy has not finished collapsing. You do not want to be stuck in, in a ton of NFTs that are super liquid. You do not want to be gambling. You want to be developing skills that are going to allow you to make money, uh, build up massive dry powder, and dry powder means cash reserves, not just in the US dollar, but in other currencies. We'll have that for, for a second podcast. Um, and then the ability to deploy that into valuable opportunities that are going to flourish in the next cycle. So what are a couple opportunities that I see? Uh, everything that is, that's really pushed right now is everything green and uh, eco-friendly and all this stuff. Whether you agree with it or not, uh, the global powers have dictated that this is the, the natural uh, course of humanity. Unless you want to go and fight against people worth trillions of dollars, it's up to you. I'm not in the, in, I'm not in the battle to compete with those guys. Uh, AI, anything AI, computer-related, internet related is going to continue uh, thriving. I would focus on those two sectors, energy sectors and um, uh, and sectors that have to do with AI and automation and artificial kind of programming. So if you, let's say you're, you're in high school, you don't want to know what you want to do. You want to play it safe. You have a job. You want to make some cash. I would focus on those two sectors. If you want to start a business, figure out how your business, doesn't matter what it is, can incorporate those things or figure out what companies are at the forefront of these cycles, right? And invest into these companies or into, into these people and into these projects. So 
that's where I see the massive opportunity lying. And that's where I'm going to be deploying a lot of my uh, capital and my my strategy into those those uh, spaces, whether I agree with them or not. It doesn't matter what I think. Right. What matters is what is the market telling me and am I going to play my cards accordingly? A lot of people are biased. Like, oh, well, I'm not going to buy NFTs. They're a scam. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> because you've input, you've input your bias and your emotion and, and your opinion into something that maybe your opinion doesn't, maybe you're, maybe nobody cares about your opinion. Oh, well, Elon Musk, he's not a good dude. I'm not going to buy Tesla stuff. Bro, but he's a marketing wizard. Why wouldn't you just toss some coin in there? It's obviously going to multiply. So mm-hmm. being able to be dynamic, being flexible, being fluid, at the end of the day, the goal is to win. <laughs> like you don't have to be right. You just have to win. So sometimes you bet on winners and sometimes you bet on losers. As, as long as you bet on more winners than you do on losers, uh, you'll make it. But bet on yourself. That's, that's the number one thing to bet on is you. you have to. I want to move a little bit. By the way, usually everybody's watching this so far. We talk about things going on right now in the crypto, where to keep an eye on, so on and so forth. But I think this is more important because if you don't have this type of mentality, it's impossible for you to make money in any industry so i hope you guys got some if you're uh, if you're broke of the mind you're going to be broke of the pocket yep well, a lot of people want to make money but they don't want to change you must mm-hmm. become something in order to have that which you want to become right and a lot of people made a million dollars and lost a million dollars because they were never millionaires Yep. absolutely now let me ask you this luke in terms of where you are now in life and over the next, let's say, three to five years, I know you just acquired a small stake or a stake in Pudgy Penguins, which is obviously a big move. So talk to me more about why the NFT space, why that project, and then talk to me about the next three years for you. What's it look like? What are you doubling down on and where do you see yourself on the other side? Yeah, so uh, the reason we, I invested into Pudgy Penguins and the reason Luca, who's uh, the CEO of Pudgy Penguins, went into this, uh, first of all, it was one of our first NFT projects, right? Where we looked at it and we're like, okay, this project is going to do well. Why? Because at the end of the day, when something's good, you know that it's good. Sometimes it's good by luck. Sometimes it's good because people adopt it. Like you look at Hello Kitty, it could have easily been a flop, but it was a success, right? And you don't necessarily know why it was a success. It's just a little cat that posts things, whatever. It just worked. Like the bare bricks behind you, they could have easily been a flop. How many collectible toys are out there, but just one caught? right? Whether it was for branding, marketing, they were good at partnerships. It was a canvas that could do collaborations. It just worked. When we saw Pudgy Penguins, we saw an opportunity for massive IP, right? Massive IP acquisition. And this IP is extremely valuable because it transcends NFTs. If your NFTs are only bound to the Web3 experience, let me cut it to you and let me break it down. You're not going to make it. And the reason you're not going to make it, and I'm not talking about like board apes and things like that. I'm talking about the average project is because the liquidity and the audience isn't there, right? You need to be able, it's a great place to crowdfund, right? It's a great great place to start something. But dude, have you been into these Discord servers? Like these people are ruthless, bro. Like how are you supposed to build a come up business when everybody's on your throat because uh, the price of your of your project or of your NFT is going down? Like, like how? How are you supposed to build something in a meaningful fashion? So we said, you know what? Instead of building something crazy and having all this pressure on our chest to deliver, let's just buy something that's highly valuable. So I cut Luca a check, uh, help him get investors, help him kind of put together an operations team. That's kind of what, what I'm really good at. 
and uh, now he's running the operation. So I just check on a weekly basis as as uh, uh, as a as, as a strategic partner, and uh, he's kind of running the ship the, the ship regarding this. Now, where do I see the future? I have this theory on uh, Jordan Greenhall. Most people, nobody really knows who that is. A small small YouTuber has about ten thousand followers. He talks about uh, a thesis on tribal formations, right? And as we start focusing on decentralized networks, these de- decentralized networks are not going to be like Facebook. They're not going to be billion person networks. They're going to be small communities. What made Facebook valuable was when communities and groups rolled out, and and these are the features that people were looking for. Decentralized tribal formation is extremely important. And I think we're going back to this prehistoric older, older times of, of mankind um, or of people. And uh, it's going to be a ton of groups that are divided into subsections that are going to have, have their own little communities, just like back in the day, you had your villages and all that thing, but it's going to happen on the internet. So I'm really banking on internet tribal formations, taking over the internet and building their own little uh, ecosystems. And inside of that, of course, in the entrepreneurial space, Capital Club will be the overarching umbrella for all small decentralized entrepreneurial networks that are inside of that. Capital Club will be the the the, the, the overseeing umbrella for, for many of these uh, small tribes that are forming on the internet. So right now, the main focus is uh, betting on Capital Club success, uh, which it is inevitable. Uh, because I know where I'm going and, and I have uh, what it takes to make it happen from a both, both a reputational standpoint as well as uh, a tactical and professional standpoint, whereas most of the people out there are competing, I'm creating. And that's the beauty of it is everybody's trying to compete against each other, trying to do the best this, the best that. Most people aren't creating. If you focus on creating something of value instead of competing with other people, uh, you'll do well. And you can read something from a book called The Blue Ocean Strategy. And the blue ocean strategy dictates that a lot of people they are they're in the they're in the, the the waters that are infested with blood right because that's where all the sharks are. Good luck going going and making a, a billion dollar app right now. <laughs> Everybody wants to make an app. Everybody wants to make the next Uber. Good luck, bro. Like, all right, go figure that shit out. I want to create something that's in a blue ocean environment where the competition is very minimal and where I can really create something that I want. So. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with that in terms of community specifically. Um, I think part of the reason why our generation is depressed and anxious is because we don't have community. It's all individual. It's all about me. It's always selfish culture. So I think NFTs do a great job in bringing community back, especially in an accessible way, because most people have access to the Internet. Um, But I want to pivot a little bit. I want to talk about because I know you have your hand in e-commerce and in NFTs. So I want to talk about what parallels you see in those two industries and what differences you see, um, because it's kind of hard for people to go from Web 2 to Web 3. So I think that's an important conversation to have. Yeah, what I, what I, there's, a, there's a couple similarities. Uh, the big difference is the, I, I think there needs to be a restructuring of the mindset of how people be, view NFTs, right? So people view NFTs as this sort of lifelong commitment between the customer or the community member and the product. That's a false expectation to have. And it's a wrong expectation because these people aren't your slaves. These project owners, they're not your slaves. They're not your bitches for you to tell them, oh, what's the floor price? And if you're not doing anything. Right. The beauty about Web3 that Web2 doesn't offer is that you can actually get involved with these projects. You can actually build the future 
of these companies. You can actually get involved. You have a stake in the game. With Web2, you don't. You don't have access to that. But if, if you had an NFT that gave you the ability to dictate whether Twitter's going to roll out a spaces feature or whether they're not going to, that's where the value comes. Now, I see a lot of people like, like this. Oh, why is my NFT not going up? You don't even have the courage to promote it. You ain't even talking about your investments. No wonder, bro. You're just, you're shitting on the, your own investments. Like, dude, who does that? Losers, morons. So you have to recalibrate, first of all, how you perceive NFTs. People perceive NFTs the wrong way. It's, they see it as a money-making vehicle instead of seeing it as our way out of the system. It truly is our way out of the system where we can democratize uh, our experiences. And people throw these terms out and they're full of bullshit. They're full of shit. They don't truly understand that this is a life-changing technology if it's implemented in a way where you can eliminate greed out of the equation. Now, how's, it's di very difficult to eliminate greed out of the equation when it's all transactional. Right when the transaction is monetary. So I think the person that can figure out how to get rid of the transactional factor of NFTs where you owe nobody anything. A good example is uh, Neo Tokyo, right? The, the, the Alex Becker's initial collection, he just made people do a ton of shit and then he got really rich on the process and then he did a second mint and stuff like that. And people still gave him shit, but the guy made it for free. So he pushed his own stuff, he promoted it, everybody was talking about it and he, and he did well, but he owes nobody anything. Right. At any moment, it could be like, see a deuces, I'm out or you could keep it running. But that's the beauty of it. Right. So having a fine balance between, you know, minting a 20 million dollar project. OK, bro, like you got to you, you got to do something. Whereas somebody does a five hundred thousand dollar project. Did you, you understand how quick five hundred K goes in an NFT project? That shit has gone tomorrow like that with these gas fees and having to pay these overpriced VAs and these discord mods. Your company's gone instantly. You're like you're you're liquid. You're out the door. And I, I think we need to recalibrate because a lot of creators aren't coming in because of the fear of backlash that they're receiving from the community, which is mm -hmm. absolutely disgusting uh, that you wouldn't receive anywhere else. You wouldn't receive that in Web2 because the relationship with the customer is very different. So if you want to be an owner of a product and an owner of a brand, you can't shit on it the same way uh, because you wouldn't do it with a Web2 product. You would just ask for what? A refund. But yeah. in this case, in this case, the commerce relationship is different because it's based on trust and it's best based on equanimity and it's based on a mutual relationship. Now, of course, you have a lot of players that come in, they scam and do other things. But guys, it's the Wild West. What do you think was happening in California 100 years ago? You want mm -hmm. freedom. You don't want the government to be involved. You don't want the SEC to get involved. But at the same time, guess what? It comes at a cost. It comes at a cost of being more careful. It comes at a cost of being a more educated consumer. And at the end of the day, the reason most of you guys are getting screwed is because you're gambling. You're gambling, bro. Like you don't know what you're doing. You don't know why you're doing it. You just want to make money. And if the only intention to be here is to make money, then you don't have much to offer, much to receive in, in return. Now, there's a, there's a really cool car company, and I don't want to say what it is because it's private, but they are implementing uh, NFT technology into their vehicles, which is really, really interesting. And the, in, uh, the tech that they're implementing is basically an immutable Carfax, right? Where how many times you've opened the car door, how many times the car has been filled up with gas, how many miles does it truly have? How many times have you sat in the car? All these things form an immutable, unchangeable NFT of the vehicle that can't be changed. That to me is revolutionary, right? Because, oh, here in America, you have Carfax. Yeah, but what about, what about Pakistan? 
what about these places where like you can finesse certain things and you can change mm-hmm. the odometer and swap all that stuff or you go to the third world country they do that in argentina all the time and you get screwed right so the nft technology is is a track record that is immutable that has its pros right like like a carfax but then it also has its cons if you have big institution or government agencies get involved with it because if they implement that as a status quo then you're in a situation where you can absolutely get screwed right and the reason you can get screwed is because like everything's online everything's like there and you can be monitored right so china would definitely take this into a dystopian ecosystem so we also have to be careful what powers we we give access to uh in that regard so that's kind of how i see it with regards to your correlation between web 2 not just e-commerce but a uh, web 3 is yeah you know you have your pros you have your cons and those are a couple of them that i've that i've personally witnessed myself both both in the space as a consumer both in the space as a, as a creator on both sides right on both sides yeah. yeah i think another a con that i think about a lot is how slow blockchain technology can be right now um like if we're going to make this a worldwide thing, I don't know if I if blockchain is the way to do it. I really don't because it's slow, it's expensive. Like for Carfax, you could get that instantly online. Sure, it might be altered, but, but at the cost of what? Right, at right. The cost, no, that's at the cost of, at the cost of a monopoly. The reason it's right. fast is because it's centralized, it's controlled by one single point of failure. Now, if you have now if you have Ethereum, which by the way, I think Ethereum is super centralized uh and it's and it's there for profit and we can mo we can have a full conversation on why ethereum is a massive hoax uh but that's for a different time because i don't want to i don't want to go into that that rabbit trail right there but you look at metamask you look at consensus you look at these companies exactly. that have central exactly. points of failure and mm-hmm. the reason gas fees are expensive is because i think the network wasn't even prepared to to be what it was supposed to be but just because it's not what it is today doesn't mean it can't change. I don't think, I think the reason people are betting on Ethereum is because they have a lot of money staked into Ethereum's success. But you see other chains that are a lot, uh, that have a lot more potential. You look at Harmony, uh, you can look at Matic, you can look at other situations where there is value and potential, but their adoptability, their marketing, their branding isn't isn't as, as airtight or as, um, as like uh, perfected. So, uh, I think blockchain is what it is today because it's only been around for like seven years well, right? Seven, eight years where a lot of these systems, they're building on top of each other. They've been around for 40, 50 years. But right. the beauty of it is that it's up to you. It's up to us. Like if you, we can build it into whatever we want. And I think, yeah, I think you have to be willing to compromise something for something else, right? You can't have everything. So you need mm-hmm. to figure out what do you want? Do you want the freedom? Do you want the, do you want the access? Do you want just the speed, right? Because if you want the speed, just just go on on PayPal or go mm-hmm. on Robinhood, where you can never truly pull out your Bitcoin, right? Yep. It's just there. It's just there. It's some bullshit, but yeah. it's centralized, and at any moment they can freeze you. I prefer having my money stored on a ledger, where mm-hmm. the government tells me, "Oh, well, you did this wrong. We want to ban your shit. We're going to freeze your bank accounts." And I'm like, "All right, sounds good. Freeze my bank accounts. Done." All right, perfect. But then I'm operating on multiple grids and multiple systems. So there's a give and take. uh, And I think it comes down to one principle. Most people are willing to give up their freedom for convenience. We've seen that in China, right? Where people right now are paying on WeChat 
by scanning their face and now it connects to their bank account. That shit's so sauce, bro. But people want convenience. Why? Because people don't want to work hard. People don't want to go the extra mile, the extra step. So people are willing to sacrifice their freedoms, their access to things, uh, their true independence for 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 ease. And we see that in the movie Wally, -E, right? Where you have this little robot that's controlling the entire ship and you have all these fat motherfuckers, or excuse me, <clears throat> you have these big boned <laughs> individuals that are eating McDonald's at all, at all times, but they've chosen a life of ease and they've compromised their freedom and their humanity in the process. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people don't even know what they want, right? Like, uh, for example, yeah. when you go ask somebody, hey, what do you want in life? And they say freedom. Well, freedom for what, right? A lot of people say, hey, they want to get rich. Well, okay, do you want to get rich? Have you tried getting rich and you didn't get there or you need somebody to be telling you what to do to get rich, right? That's, I think, the, the biggest thing, whether it's in crypto or not, like even in crypto, right? I think one of the main reasons why we are where we are in the market right now is because we allowed ourselves as a community, right? The people inside of crypto and NFTs to get told what to do by people who didn't even know what they were doing in the first place. Like, like you look at NFTs, for example, this is the easiest picture to paint for anybody who's watching this, right? If you take a look, you reverse, right? Seven months ago, the top biggest YouTubers or 20 year old kids who have never ran a business before that are going online telling you buy X, Y, bullish, 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 hundred Xers. Oh, this is a hundred X. Right. In reality, these guys, first of all, don't even know what they're doing. Second of all, there was no clear recipe. Anything that they were saying, everything that was the opposite of that was working. That goes to show you that one, people want to be told what to do. And then if they get told something, they don't even want to do it because what? They and if they, and if they like take it. the advice and if they take the advice and it doesn't pan out the way that they were it's told, your they, fault, not they blame, they blame, they point fingers. And now it comes back to, right? It all comes back to the principle of like the life that you chose is the life mm -hmm. that the life that you have is the life that you chose. Like people have to assume responsibilities. Like I've seen people be like, get angry and be like, dude, I, I, I put my rent money, I bought this NFT and it rugged and now I can't pay for rent. I'm like, bro, you literally just, you basically went to Vegas and you wanted to get an NFT, make money and then somehow feel like you were going to get safe, uh, like a safe passage to, to like wealth. And it doesn't work. It's a, it's, it's a pipe dream. And a lot with, you know, with a lot of these influencers, I know a lot of them, you know, I've done business with a lot of them. A lot of them have a fee. And the reason they're running their YouTube channels is because it's their way of making money. It's their way of getting networks and it's their way of access. But that doesn't mean that they know what they're talking about or that they are unbiased. I have not met a single YouTuber in either crypto or NFTs that is perfect, that holds no bias, none of it. Most of them are sleazy, bro. You'd be surprised. So just understand that if somebody if you don't know somebody, you got to be careful, bro. Like you guys should even be careful about me. Like do your research on Luke, right? You're going to find out I'm a top G, but that's beside the point uh, because I've maintained a good reputation. And the reason I maintained a good reputation is because I've been super consistent with everything that I said over the last couple of years and it's worked and it's panned out and I haven't changed who I was. That's why I've never been an NFT guy. <laughs> Excuse me. I've never been a crypto guy. I've never been an e-com guy. I'm a businessman. And a businessman, that means I have flexibility to move with no labels. So be, be very careful who you listen to and understand that Alex Becker doesn't hold all the keys. I don't hold all the keys. Uh, fucking whoever. Look at, look at the guys from Three, Three Arrow Capital. Yeah. Look at all these guys. 
Eight months ago, they were worshipped as the gods of the ecosystem. Now they're fleeing countries and they're putting fucking uh, homes under their kids' names so that the government will liquidate them. It's unbelievable. So be very careful because in this space, you don't only get people that are pursuing freedom and good people. You're going get, to get a lot, a lot of bad actors. So be very careful. Have that as the forefront of your mind, at the forefront of your mind and understand that, you know, it's a risky space. But it's also high risk, high reward. So figure out, you know, you want to invest in real estate, you want to play it safe, whatever that's for you. But I'm in my 20s and I know one thing, if I lose it all, I can make it over and over again. And most people aren't willing to lose and aren't willing to bet on themselves because when they evaluate their life on a personal level, they can't really, they can't really bet on themselves and be like, okay, I have a high chance of winning. Because they haven't developed themselves in a way where, okay, if you lose everything, you can make it back. Why? Because you're super developed and you trust yourself. Most people don't trust themselves. That's why they have to trust other people. So get to a place where you trust yourself, not from a, a foo-foo fairy tale stance, but because you look at yourself, I'm like, damn, like I'm a real professional. I'm a killer. Like I'm really good at what I do. Just like you said, Mo, like pick your lane, figure out what you want to do, know where you want to go. And just work at it. And eventually one day you'll look back and you'll be like, oh, damn, I'm like, I'm like mad ahead from all these people. And now you can bet on yourself. Bro, Usain Bolt would put a million bucks on himself every single time. Of course he would. Why? Because he knows he's the best. He'd race a treadmill. Bro, he, every time he would know he's the best. But you yep. have to get to that point. And every single person listening to this can be the best. But if you don't believe you're the best, it's either because you, you're being honest with yourself or you haven't put in the work to be the best. So focus on that, guys. Yeah, I think it's not just that people don't trust themselves, but it's because they don't have direction, because they don't have a goal. Like you said, you need a goal, otherwise you're directionless and you can be swayed any which way. Um, I think when it comes to crypto, what's really crazy to me is I'll talk to people about crypto that have a lot of money invested and they don't know what that cryptocurrency does, what that chain does. They have no idea. Like for me, um, you know, we're all from third world countries here. We understand what it means to be from somewhere that doesn't have a reliable government, doesn't have reliable banking. No, no government is reliable. <laughs> right. But there's 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 a spectrum, right? Some of them are more stable. Some of them are unstable, like in Iran and Syria. You have completely unstable governments in the United States. At least you have three branches that can check each other. Right. You don't have that in Iran In Iran. Our, our currency is worth shit right now. Like you might as well wipe your ass with it because no one can buy anything with our currency. We have hyperinflation. And that's why I was attracted to Bitcoin, because there's a problem with fiat. Fiat is the problem. Bitcoin at least tries to solve it. It's not something that you can build upon. It's not something that's meant to be built upon. It's meant to do one thing and that's fix the problem of money. And that's why I like it. So my question for you is, what do you have long-term conviction in or what crypto should people be studying that you would recommend someone to look into? I look have no into, not oh, buy. Go for it, go for it. Go not for buy, it. research. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can give financial advice. I'm a financial advisor. I'm not a financial. I don't know what what does it take to be a financial advisor? Do you need to be a certified CPA or something? I think you have to go to college and have a certification. <laughs> All right, sue me. Anyways, uh, I do not believe Bitcoin wins. Um, the reason I don't believe Bitcoin wins is all that Bitcoin did was show the problem. I don't, and the reason people believe in it is because it showcased the problem. But I don't think it wins because 
it's highly manipulated. When Bitcoin in 2000, 2020, when the black swan event of COVID happened, dude, that, that Bitcoin was like 300, it, the entire market cap of the, of crypto was like 250 million or 250 billion or something like that. Super low, 250 billion, 300 billion market cap. Do you know companies like BlackRock that have $13 trillion of assets under management? Do you know that the US government could come and swipe that shit and buy all of it tomorrow? It is not a threat to the system. All it's done is realize, help people realize that something is broken with the system. So why is fiat a problem? Fiat is a problem because of fractional reserve banking. It's a problem because the people that print the money are the same people that make the rules and they make the rules for them never to lose and for you to always lose. They win, you lose, it's written. It's the rules of the game. What crypto is giving you access to is to break out of the middleman, right? And that's kind of the entire infrastructure. That's why I love the idea of Bitcoin. I just don't love Bitcoin in of itself because we're at the top of the S curve with Bitcoin. Guys, this shit's been around for 13 years. It's not new. Like it, it's not new, right? It's not new. It's it's 2022. It's lower than it was or barely higher than it was in 2020. So this idea that Bitcoin's going to make you rich, it's going to a million dollars. Okay, what's a million dollars? A 50x? What is that? What's a 50x? By the bro? time it hits there, a million dollars is going to give you the same buying power as half a million. Or <laughs> and even and even it was a million dollars, bro. Even, even it was a 50x and you make $50 million. The opportunity in other cryptos and other investment portfolios mm. is 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 better if not if not exceeds it at massive proportion. I do not like Bitcoin because I know the people I okay, so I live in Puerto Rico, right? And the reason I live in Puerto Rico is because I don't have to pay for capital gains. And I moved here because I got extremely rich in crypto and uh it just made sense for me not to give Uncle Sam any of it cuz Uncle Sam didn't take the risk that I took. I have met the richest person in crypto. This was confirmed by John McAfee before he was killed. Uh, it's a guy named Brock Pierce. Brock Pierce is the co-founder of Tether, right? And one of the founders of EOS. Uh, now that rugged project that nobody ever, like, but they raised $4 billion in, in an ICO. This guy's, ha he has to be the richest guy in crypto at this point, maybe worth 50 billion, maybe more uh, in, in, in liquid crypto. So when I look at that and I look at the, the, the players that are playing this game, I have, I have friends in, in the Cayman islands that, you know, they own hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin and there's a couple million in circulation. I'm like, bro, this game is so rigged. These guys sell that shit. They tank the entire market. All the noobs get out. They buy up more. It's a game of, of washing out the newbies, just like the stock market is. It's all the same. So how I view Bitcoin right now and crypto specifically is, a, is it's a vehicle to make a ton of money. It's a vehicle to, bro, look at all the kids that just got extremely rich on NFTs that either launched legit projects or fake, fake projects. It doesn't matter. They didn't have to go open up a business, a Kickstarter, an LLC, even though you should do all these things if you're making money, but they didn't have to, right? The kid from Uganda could upload an NFT and make $500 that would change his month, right? And these, that's the beauty, right? It facilitates, we know we're talking about Iran and we're talking about countries like this. Blockchain offers and democratizes opportunity and it democratizes talent. So if you become a crazy good coder, right? A Solidity dev, and you're out of, I don't know, Nigeria, or you're out of, I don't know, uh, 
the Soviet Union uh, or the Russia for all I, it's basically the Soviet <laughs> Union, same thing, um, or Norway or any of these places, right? You still have the ability to make it and you can make it well. Why? Because it's up to you. You can develop the skill set and you'll get hired. You'll get hired, right? You'll get a job or you can code your own project and do extremely well. But in the traditional world, if you're living in one of those countries and the U.S. is the land of opportunity where you're going to get paid mm -hmm. a ton of money, you have to jump through loopholes, visa, green card. Uh, I need I need approval from the, the government to get out. I need a passport. I need this. I need that to get out. I need a flight. All these things that a person had to do, like our, our ancestors, like our forefathers, they would have to get on a fucking ship, fly, get on a ship, go across the entire Atlantic, land here, sit in a warehouse for four days post-World War II, wait till they got their, you know, their little visas approved. And then they would have to work at the local grocery store to try and make it out so that one day their kids with college degrees could actually become something in life. And yeah. with crypto, that no longer is the case. It's democratized talent. It's democratized uh, potential. And the winners are the people that actually dedicate themselves and spend a lot of time studying and becoming really good. And if you become really, really good, there's very little competition in this space. And that's why I love crypto is because the competition is very minuscule. There's so many noobs. Most of these people are just dumb, right? And mm -hmm. they're dumb. They don't know what they're doing. And if you look at it and you're like, hmm, I just have to become more intelligent, more dedicated, more focused, work harder, build better relationships, I can get out. And mm -hmm. I think crypto and e-commerce uh, are the easiest ways out. And the reason I say it is because out of my experience, I've witnessed it, right? I've witnessed it firsthand, a kid that comes from a third world country, from a 19,000 person village, because <laughs> that's what it was, uh, to becoming a multimillionaire in his mid-20s and now building the largest decentralized entrepreneurial network on planet earth so it's possible i agree and i think that's a great place to wrap it up i think this was a great fucking episode full of heat we'll call it episode one in the uh capital club trilogy here okay. i like it I, I like it i like the i like the trilogy next time I, we should definitely talk about uh the federal reserve the banking yes. system yeah why, why a lot of this to. stuff is is skewed and then you know we talk about the destabilization of, of currencies and mm -hmm. and all of these things are man-made right whether it's the currency yeah. or the destabilization of such uh yeah but thank you guys for having me it's been a pleasure i look forward to seeing this uh, the success of seed phrase and i'm and i'm here for their journey mo thank you brother parissa thank you so much Thanks, thank bro. you for coming on it was great that was awesome well, you guys heard it here first. Make sure you check out Luke. We'll drop the links below. Check out Capital Club as well. It's not launched yet, but it will be. Just follow Luke Belmar. He's got Instagram, YouTube. We'll tag it below. See Phrase Daily. Make sure you subscribe. We'll see you next week. Peace out. Peace.